Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, this is Rob Santiago, and you're about to listen to a sermon that I entitled Distracted. I hope you enjoy it because we're about to examine some key biblical figures and how they handle distraction in their lives. Be blessed and be touched by this sermon. Amen, church. How many excited to be here tonight? Come on, how many excited to be here tonight? I got to tell you, I'm excited you guys are here, all right? And those of you that are tuning in online, I'm excited that you're watching. The reason is because I have been preaching and teaching in front of a camera for the past, I don't know, three months it feels like. So for me, to see faces in front of me finally is a blessing. I got to tell you, man, it's a blessing. It's been a crazy three months, but I'm glad we're starting to gather together because I feel like once I see my brothers and sisters in Christ, it gets, it gets my spirit going. It gets me amped up. And to hear that countdown, you know, before service starts, man, I just, I get all fired up. And so um, tonight I want to talk to you about something that we all struggle with. And it, it's specifically what I've struggled, struggled with my whole life has been distraction. Okay, I've been feeling distracted for 36 years, or 37 years now, as old as I have been battling distraction in my life. So before I get into it, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to preach your word. Father, I ask that you would just be with me in this moment, that, that your words would leave my mouth, Father God, that you would inspire me truth, Father, and that you would use me as a vessel to change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I've struggled with distraction for my whole life. Even in school growing up, I was distracted. When anybody would talk to me growing up in elementary school, they would just kind of, you know, just say one word to me. I end up having a whole conversation with them and I'd miss the lesson. And, and, and if you didn't know, growing up with, academically wasn't good for me. Growing up academically was something I struggled with, you know, and, and, and I, I was a slow learner. I was, I was just, I didn't get it. I was one of the, I was on the slow boat in school and everybody would make fun of me, make fun of my test scores. I had to deal with that. And that's probably why I, you know, I, I, I'm so obnoxious at times, but in reality, it was something that I struggled with when I became a Christian that didn't change. When I became a Christian, I was also distracted, and I've had to live my life, my physical life in distraction, but also my spiritual life, I was distracted as well. It was something that I've, I, I realized, you know what, man? I'm always tied up with distraction. I'm always messed up. Even when I was putting this sermon together on Monday night, I, I, I literally text my wife, and I've never done this. I told her, I am so distracted, I've got nothing done. My phone is in the drawer. If you need something, just come upstairs and open up the door. And I took off my Apple Watch. I took off everything and I said, God, this is your time. What do you want me to preach about? And you know what he told me? He said, I want you to preach about distraction because you're so distracted. <laughs> and so that's what I wrote. I wrote everything I was feeling. And I, I had told Pastor Omar and Pastor Isaac that when I had woken up on Tuesday morning to hear what they had to say in, in their conversation during prayer, how many like those conversational pieces? Amen. They were validating everything I was hearing about, you know, how, how to hear the voice of God. That was everything. Like I was, I just felt so validated. I was like, God, I needed to hear that because I had been so distracted. But when you hear the voice of God, the distraction should go away. It should be such a powerful voice in your life to the point where you're not, I, God, I just want to listen to you. I don't want to listen to rap music. I don't want to watch the coolest movie. Or I, I just want to listen to you right now. 
And when you walk into church and you walk into this building or you tune in online, it should be just like that. I just want to hear from God. John MacArthur says this. He says, the fact is that far too many professing Christians live their lives day in and day out on the basis of something other than the Bible. We all have something going on to the point where we want to live our lives sometimes away from the Bible, sometimes away from Scripture or away uh, from the church. Amen. See, I remember when... um, I I first started coming to Praise Chapel Paramount. I was learning the Praise Chapel ways. I was learning about discipleship. I was learning about all these new things that come into my life. I was already a Christian, but I I was understanding what discipleship truly was about. The win, build, send mentality was being birthed inside of me. And I remember I was looking for a job. I had just moved down to Southern California, and I was like, you know what? I need to find a job. I need to get something while I'm in school. I need to have some kind of income, right? So I'm looking for a job, and I was working at Sears Automotive for years, for a couple years down in San Jose, California. And we were like one of the top, like busiest uh, automotive centers in the the country. And so I was like, you know what? That's going to be good on my resume. My boss at the time said, hey, you're moving to Southern California. I'm going to put in a good word for you. I was like, great, man. And, and all my statistics were, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in, you know, online that they could see how many tires I've changed, how many batteries I've changed, how many oil changes. All that was there. So my resume was already built for me. And I remember, I, you know, I had to find a job. And so I remember as my leaders were telling me, hey, when you look for a job, you got to make sure it doesn't take you out of church. You got to make sure it doesn't take you out of church. So I'm like, what? If it's a job, man, I'm going to accept it. What do you mean? I need to take it. I need income. I need money. I need to survive. I need to do this. And he said, no, no, no. If it's going to take you out of church, you don't take that job. And I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, with my rebellious self. And so I walk into this job interview at Sears Automotive. And I'll tell you, it was, um, I believe it was the one at Westminster. It used to be a Sears Automotive there. And I walked in and he goes, oh, we've been waiting for you. We heard about you. And I'm like, great. And he sits me down, he starts the interview process, and he goes, he goes, you're a little small. <laughs> He's like, you changed this many tires? I go, yeah, we're actually one of the busiest, I'm coming from one of the busiest, you know, centers in, in the country. He's all, that, that doesn't sound right. I said, sir, you can look it up, the Bay Area, we were the number one. And he goes, he goes, yeah, he's all right. I go, yeah, I have one other thing too. I can't miss Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. And he looked at me, he goes, so... Let me get this straight. You walk in here, you're looking for a job. You can't miss Wednesdays, you can't miss Fridays, and you can't, miss, you can't work Sundays. I go, that's correct. He goes, why? I go, because I go to church those days. He goes, you go to church all those days. I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> Immediately, I'm feeling, well, I'm not getting this job. You know, I'm not, it's not happening, right? And so I told him, yeah, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm involved in my church, and I take it very seriously. And he goes, yeah, he's all, okay, I'll tell you what. He goes, you got an impressive resume. I'm going to give you a call back. I'm like, all right. I wait three days. He doesn't call back. So I call him and I say, hey, man, what's going on? He goes, hey, you can't work Sundays? Like he brought it up again. I go, yeah, I can't work Sundays. And I'm willing to compromise. Like I'm like, I can work Wednesday night. Like I'll, I'll compromise one service. He goes, but you can't work Sundays. I go, no. He goes, yeah, we need a guy for Sunday. And I'm like, so this is it, huh? So yeah. So now I'm like, wow, my whole plan was foiled. I planned to move to Southern California. 
I was going to work at Sears Automotive. I was going to continue my job. I was going to continue doing that. I had the resume. I had the skill set. I had everything in place. Everything was lined up. I had a recommendation from the top site in the nation, and I didn't get it. And I remember sitting there like, what the heck am I going to do? So I walked over to, I remember I was driving down, and I was still learning the freeways. I'm driving down the 405. I hit the 605. I get off at Cerritos Mall right here. I put in an application in Big Five. The guy says, hey, where are you going? I go, oh, I just put in an application. He goes, we'll interview you right now. I go, all right. And so we start the interview process. I said, yeah, I can't work Wednesday nights. I can't work Friday nights. And I can't work Sunday mornings. He goes, that's all right. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. When can you start? I said, I can start tomorrow. He's like, coming tomorrow. And those of you that knew me way back then, I worked at Big Five Sporting Goods for, I think, a couple, three years maybe. And, uh, but it was probably one of the most important decisions that I had made in my life. Because during those three years, I was being fed spiritually. I wasn't being distracted. See, one of the things you have to do, church, you have to position and protect your spirituality. It's exactly like you're trying to get, for those of you that play basketball, right? You play basketball, you see somebody take a shot, you're positioning yourself to get that ball, get the rebound, as they would call it. You're positioning yourself on the court. And I remember when I was in sports, one of the things that, that my coach always told me, hey, when you hear the official blow the whistle, that you don't stop playing. You keep playing. In other words, even if it's a dead ball or something like that, you keep playing. You position yourself. You start running or you start going down the court because if your defender's slacking off, you're going you're to make that basket. And it's that same position that you should take in your spiritual walk. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, the apostle Paul says this. He says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So I'm here to ask you, have you positioned yourself to have the least distractions possible in your spiritual walk? Because that's what tonight's about. It's about positioning yourself so you're not distracted. Saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to entertain this, this hobby, or I'm not going to do this. I know some of us get distracted even with our own career. We get messed up. We say, oh, I have to work this, I have to work that. And we're chasing a position that's not even guaranteed. We're chasing a dollar amount that's never promised to us. And yet we have all these promises of God that we can chase. And he's true to his promises, amen? We need to be positioned because distraction's coming. The enemy's coming. He wants to distract you. And, and really, the distraction is a complete separation. It's a separator between you and God. When you get distracted, it's, you start to get, infatuate yourself with ideas. Oh, I want this. I want that. I know in, in my life, I've done the thing where something new's come out, like some new piece of technology, right? I'm one of those guys that updates his Amazon wish list like weekly, Okay. <laughs> And so I look on Amazon, like, oh, man, oh, yeah, I need that. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Oh, that means, I, and I'm looking at upgrades. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just a mess when it comes, and I'm like, dude, this is just distracting me. Even when I sit down in front of my computer to write the sermon, you know, I'm, I'm getting, like, all these emails, these notifications, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a good deal. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. The Word of God is speaking to me, and I, I have this good deal coming up on my screen, you know, on my phone, or it's just a distraction, or somebody texts me something funny, you know? I get really distracted over funny things, 
You know, I just start like, you know, I'm praying and I look like, oh man, that's hilarious. <laughs> Trying to go back to prayer, you know? <laughs> and again, it just, it messes with your emotions, guys. Because you want to be, emo- we, we're emotional beings. We want to be emotional all the time. It's in our DNA. And so distraction comes in the feelings and emotions that you have. So if you want to feel a certain way, you're going to go try to seek that way to feel it. Those of you that have ever been addicted to something, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, you're, you're really addicted to the feeling. You really start to hold on to the feeling or the emotion behind it. And really, I, I'm reminded with Eve, Eve even felt the same way. You know, but the problem with feelings is that they're temporary. And sometimes you make permanent decisions based off that. Sometimes we make permanent decisions off a temporary feeling. You ever felt like so messed up and then the next morning you wake up, you feel so much better. And you're like, wow, I was about to make, I was about to make a decision based on what I felt last night. I was about to make, I was about to text somebody something I probably shouldn't have said. But now that I slept on it, I realize I'm in the wrong. And we base, sometimes, guys, we base our decisions off of our feelings. We base our decisions off our feelings all the time. And, and really, if your feelings are going to control you, then you're just going to be erratic because all of us, man, we're messed up when it comes to feelings. We go up and down. We have good days. We have bad days. It is in our DNA. And maybe we shouldn't make decisions based off that. They are temporary. But when I look at Eve and I look at the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 through 7, it says this, it says, you will, certainly, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable. Turn to your neighbor and say desirable. And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. See church, desire is the emotion of longing or hoping for a person, object, or outcome. It's that longing, it's literally a feeling. It's an emotion. And when we desire something, it becomes very strong inside of us. A desire is something that just really hangs onto us and we can't shake it sometimes. See, sometimes the enemy will get you to feel an emotion to be distracted from your purpose. He'll put a new desire inside of you. You know, you, you get a new fresh idea on, on how to make money. All of a sudden you stop coming to church. You hear something good that that one prophet says online. Oh, now you want to go to another church. Oh, you hear that this leader does this with his group. Now you want to go to that group, that connect group. You're forgetting about the word discipleship. You're forgetting that there's a molding and a shaping that is, that is constant, and you're a part of that process. But in reality, we don't want to hear that. We want to feel good. Oh, I like Rob because he makes me feel good. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't rebuke me. He doesn't do any of that. He laughs. He's got a nice family. Like, what does that even mean? That, you know what that means? I just have some favor with God because I went through the process. You know? I went through the process. I said, God, I don't want to do this, but, you know, the pastors are asking me to do it. I got to do it. You know, and and I think the other day is I told Pastor Omar, you know, man, I don't have to agree with everything that you decide, but I'll just support you on it. And sometimes we, we have this feeling like, oh, we all have to come into an agreement. Guess what? No, we don't. We don't always have to agree with everything. You know, the word of God is strong, man. Jesus says some strong stuff. And I'm like, man, he really said that 
I don't like to hear that. Man, I got to, you know, turn away from my family. I got I to gotta put him first in front of everything. Everything that I've built, I put him first. That's tough, that's tough to understand. But in reality, it's part of the molding and shaping of the process. Because once you fix your eyes on God and you are no longer distracted, you realize that everything that you love starts to get blessed. Your whole household, your children, your career, everything starts to fall into line. And it was because that you stopped being distracted and you turned and you said, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you now. I'm going to listen to your word. Sometimes we come to church like, man, I just want to feel good. And I've been at church for four weeks. You know, I don't feel good. Yeah, it's the church's fault you don't feel good. You know, because we're there writing sermons, thinking about you. How can I make this person feel good? How can I make them feel better? You know, and, and this is how we make you feel better. We hear, the, we hear from God. That's how we make you feel better. We say, God, there are so many people that are listening to this message right now. I want you to speak, not me to speak. I want these words to be yours, not mine. So I'm going to sit here until you tell me what to tell your people. And that's what we want to do is we want to, we want to hear from God so you can hear from God. Amen. See, church, you have a specific purpose. And I love this about our relationship with God. We have a, we have a purpose, but what's required is a, is a specific identity for that purpose. And really, we, we get distracted. We start to move away from our identity in Christ. And I had mentioned it earlier, but in reality, it's, it's, it, in our spirituality, God is trying to do something to us, and then Satan's trying to do something to us. And I found this in my own life that, I, you know, I would get introduced to a new hobby. And I'm, I'm, I love hobbies. Okay, I love hobbies. And, and I'm one of those guys that I go, like, let's say I go golfing once and I fall in love with it. I have the best stuff the next week. You know? I'm like, oh, I, got, I love this. I got to do, I, I got to buy all this. And, I, and it's just such a distraction. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to go golfing again. You know? And this, I didn't go golfing. I, I'm not a fan of golf. I hope... You know, but this is just an example. And you go all out, right? And it's really, and, 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 and all of a sudden I start asking myself, well, what are you? Are you a golfer now? Yeah, are you, is this what you do now? Like you golf? Yeah, is this you? Is this part of your identity? Is this, is this what you want to do now? Is this something that you want in your life as part of your identity? And I'm like, well, you know, I start to think like, well, this is, this is a waste of time. This is a season. You know, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts, but I have to realize this is all emotion. This is, my, my identity is actually in Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to church. I, I got to put a lesson together for Bible study. I got to, I got to do this. I got to do that. My, my life is dedicated to the church. And really, that is really what we need to realize that we can take these distractions out. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a hobby. As a matter of fact, I, I encourage you should have a hobby, but it shouldn't take the precedent of what God's trying to do in your life. And that's part of the connection. But see, there's an identity that we have. And I think sometimes we say, you know what? I want to be a teacher. I want to be a prophet. I want to be an evangelist. I want to be like that guy online. I want to be like that guy on stage. I want to be like that. And really what God's trying to say, I'm not trying to make you like somebody else in your church or somebody else online. I'm trying to turn you into a world changer. I'm trying to mold you into something greater than that. But you are actually limiting yourself because you think that they have it all together and that you could do exactly what they do. When I've set an identity just for you, if you just trust the process and stop being distracted by a title or a position. 
I'm reminded of Samson. His identity was a Nazarite. He took the Nazarite vow. His identity was holy. When he took that vow, it made him holy. He was not to drink. He was not to cut his hair. And he had to follow these strict guidelines. But then he sees, who does he see? He sees Delilah. Very good. He sees Delilah, right? And Delilah all of a sudden catches his eye. And the Philistines are like, hey, Delilah, we need this man, you know, we need him destroyed. So can you figure out how you can get rid of his strength for us? So what does Delilah do? She gets all dressed up. She becomes a little distraction, right? She becomes a little distraction and she catches his eye and she asks him, hey, how do you, you know, how do you uh, lose your strength? You know, how do you, how, and, and it's right up, right up front. Like, how do you do that? Like, why are you so strong? You know? And, he, and then he goes, he tells her, well, if you tie bowstrings that have not been dried, then I can't break out of that. And so they lay together, and then all of a sudden she says, oh, no, Samson, here they come. He breaks the bowstrings. He's like, she goes, you lied to me. <laughs> this is what she says. You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now. Tell me how you can be tied. So he says again, well, if you get new ropes, Delilah, you get some new ropes that have never been used, and you tie me up, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, guys, okay? Because it's a long passage. And he goes, and if you tie me up, I can't break out of that, you know? So he lays with her. She goes, oh, no, Samson, they're coming. And he breaks that too. And this is what she says. All this time, or you have made a fool of me, you lied to me. Come on now, tell me how you can be tied. And then she continues to say, all this time you have been making a fool of me, lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. So, Sam, so Samson says this. This is interesting. Catch this. He says, well, if you take a lock of my hair and you wove it into the fabric or the loom and you tie my hands together, then I won't be able to escape. And sure enough, he lays with her and he's captured. He could not break through that. See, it took his, him giving up his identity, his DNA, for him to be caught, to lose his strength. It took his DNA, him taking his DNA, telling her exactly, he just completely broke. He went into, into, into temptation. He gave in and he was finally tied. See, that's what distraction does, guys. It'll tie you up. And, and whatever that is, and some of you may be sitting in here or you may be online, whatever that is, something's got you tied up. Something's got you distracted. And I'm not talking about a, a female or anything like that. I'm just talking, it could be anything. It could be something that has just tied you up. And the enemy is always just sitting there and he's literally asking, tell me how you can be tied. And so, you know, some of you, I'm gonna be candid. He already knows how to tie you up. He ties you up all the time. He's got, he knows exactly what you do. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that, hey, look, if God could see me, that means the enemy could see me. Yeah. Right? That if God can see me, that means the enemy. If the God is watching, that means the enemy's watching. And I'm like, well, that means he sees what I'm, what I'm not doing good. The enemy knows what, what I can be tempted with. The enemy understands how he can get me to fall. See, he's persistent. Distraction is persistent. At all costs, the enemy is going to use emotion to distract you from your identity. 
And you'll lose exactly the DNA that God put inside of you. The DNA that he's trying to mold, he's trying to shape, he's trying to get you to a new place and, and you're just, you're messing around, you're not, being, you're not being focused on the things that matter the most. And I've told this story before, I remember uh, there was a sermon that just really hit me when I went to Biola University. And it was one of those sermons that really impacted my life. And he says, you know what the problem is with the evangelical community is we don't talk about the things that matter. We're stuck in our bubble. We're stuck constantly talking about things that distract us. And we're talking, we, we talk to each other to be a distraction sometimes. We're not even connecting on a spiritual level. We're rather, we're just connecting on a distracted level with common interests. And again, it's one of those things that we have to be able to identify in our own life. I'm running out of time, but I want to go over this, this other uh, story of Judas. See, Judas was after personal gain. You could be distracted by your own personal gain. You all have an agenda. We all have an agenda. And that agenda can be such a distraction in our lives. We could, again, want a better career. We can want more money. We can want to buy a house. We can get, you know, we can get distracted by these own goals that we have that we place in our life to where we don't even have spiritual goals, but we have these other financial goals. We have these other goals that, that you know, and, and we're not even putting God first in that matter. So if you're sitting here, you're watching online and you have a bunch of goals in your life and you have a three-year plan, but you don't have one spiritual goal, there's probably something wrong with your spirituality. Judas didn't have that. Let me read you his resume. He was a disciple of Christ, a treasurer, one that could be trusted with money. But look at this. He directly witnessed the miracles of Jesus. When Jesus fed the 5,000, Judas was there. When he took the bread and distributed it along the other disciples, Judas did that too. When Jesus calmed the storm, Judas was there. And he was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You can't or again, you can't have better evidence for faith than what Judas had, right? And then Judas heard all the teachings of Jesus as well. He heard the Sermon on the Mount. So he knew there is a narrow road that leads to life and a broad road that leads to destruction. He, he heard the warnings Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. So he knew that there is hell and a heaven to gain. Judas knew all that. How much do you know? How much faith do you have? Because Judas had a lot of faith here. He's seen a lot. And sometimes we live miracle after miracle, guys, with our spirituality. We look for, what's God doing over here? Let's look over in this door. Let's look over in this door. What's God doing over here? Oh, he's doing that over here. Pastor Omar don't do that. Pastor Isaac don't do that. Pastor Rob don't do that. This church, oh, look at, look at their lighting. Oh, this church, look at, they got better cameras. Oh, look at this church. They do this over here. Oh, I want to go over there now. They have this type of Bible study. They have this type of, they have this ministry going on. And we're looking for some fabricated spirituality to get us to the next step. When in reality, it's just fabricated. Because it's all distraction. You're just finding an excuse to not be discipled. You're just looking for an excuse now. You're so distracted you forgot the goal. You're so distracted in your mentality that you're no longer molded and shaped to what God had molded and shaped you to. He started changing you and you just remolded yourself. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 uh, to 16, uh, the one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? Judas went to them. 
But he had all this faith. He saw all these things that took place. But he ends up saying, what can I do to, to deliver them to you? An agenda. He had an agenda. And one of my, it, I'm just going to read this to you really quickly because I'm running out of time. But it says, you know, I want you to understand that Jesus knew about this. He knew what was going to happen, right? And you, some of you know the scripture in John chapter 13, verse 21 through 30. But I love Jesus' reaction. He says, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples started at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. One of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him, Simon Peter, mentioned to this, to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in this dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. I want to stop right there for a second, and we're going to continue to read. It had already taken place. The betrayal already took place. Satan had not entered him yet. So the betrayal was something, and it was agenda inside of him. It was all flesh, no spirit. It was a decision made off desire. And then Satan enters Judas. Then Jesus says this, he told him, he whispered this to Judas, and I love this. He says, what you're about to do, do it quickly. Do you know why he wants it done quickly? Because it's going to hurt. Jesus was hurt. See, church, when we, when we are distracted and we operate off an agenda or some other desire and it doesn't include Christ, he gets hurt. He says, do it quickly, like ripping off a Band-Aid. This is going to hurt me, so make it fast. This is an intense moment between two beings. And if you've ever been in a situation like that, I'm sure the tension that the other disciples as they're on looking, I'm sure it was very thick in that room. See, God, our God does not like when we're after our own personal gain, when we're chasing some agenda and we're distracted by it. Again, John MacArthur says, the fact is that far too many professing Christians live their lives day in and day out on the basis of something other than the Bible. Just wanted to repeat that one again. I put it in here twice. If I can have the worship team come up. Church, the enemy's looking for ways to get you distracted. Those of you that are watching online, you may be distracted right now. You may have been so distracted during this time that you've quarantined your spirituality instead of quarantining yourself. And I think as, as we as an evangelical community, you, we as a church, walk into a building, we need to be prepared to reposition ourselves. We need to be on the defense and say, you know what, I, maybe I have been distracted, Rob. Maybe, maybe, you know, you're right. I've been so distracted and I know we've been laying at home. We, some of us have been out of work. Our lives completely changed. Our routine that included Jesus is completely gone. Our routine, our daily routines that we had that kept us faithful, it's completely gone. The church was closed on Sundays, closed on Wednesdays, connect groups via Zoom meeting. And it, all these things, there was a major change. And the only thing that can come into that, and the thing that we were worried about as pastors was distraction. Yeah, I'm just seeing people chasing different things, you know, sharing different things, different ministries, you know, and, and it's like, well, you know, again, it's one of those things that you could chase it all you want, but make sure you're in prayer. 
Stop watching and start participating. We're looking at online, like, oh, what time is this church? You know, what time is their prayer meeting? What time is this prophetic meeting happening? What time is this? And it's like, well, why don't you take some time out and just listen to God on your own? Spend some time with God. Why don't you spend some time with your spouse and pray together? You know, why don't you, t- why don't you set up the dinner table with you and your family and talk about how much you miss church in front of your children? Instead of waiting for something else or some other event, living event after event, after miracle, after miracle. Because I could tell you right now, Judas lived that way. He's seen everything. He participated in it. And it wasn't enough because he had an agenda and he was distracted. Some of you ended up with a lot of distraction in the past few months. And in Mark 4, verse 19, it says, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. The lure of wealth and the desire of other things. So no fruit is produced. That's right. You could know the Bible inside and out. You could have been gone to church for 35 years. Don't tell me you're not distracted. And that was my message for you tonight. So, you, some of you may have been distracted. And, and really, when I was writing this message, I did think about everybody, including you, when I was writing this. Because I felt distracted. But I had responsibilities. But I know some of us, man, we've, we've been battling. And it's been a rough battle. And now it's time to reposition ourselves. So if this ministered to you and you'd like to come up to the front, I want to invite you up. And let's just pray together. Those of you that are online, let's just worship God. Let's just invite God into this place right now, church. Come on, let's sing it out to Him. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.